Um, all of service is supposed to be. Uh, I, I hope this you don't wait to be spiritual till like the like the sermon time or just like I'm only spiritual in the music time or something like that. All of the entire service is designed uh, for you to just be meeting with God through the communion, through even when we pause to give and all this kind of stuff. And so uh, I hope that you're blessed this Sunday. I, I hope that you're meeting with God. It is so critical that we take time out in our day and in our week, especially to kind of reset and just to say, God, I'm here again this Sunday and I want to receive from you and, and I want to just take a breath and just uh, come on into a place where I know that I'm loved. I have surrounded by people that love me and, and God, I can feel your presence here. And so I hope that that's happening for you uh, this Sunday and every Sunday that you show up. So welcome home and welcome uh, to the family of God. All right, we're going to do our shouts. Oh, what do we do? We love God and we love others. And what do we say? I love God and I love you. That is our mission statement as a church. Our primary goal is to love God and to love other people. And so I'm praying that that is also part of your everyday language. I know that it's showed up in prayers nowadays. We say it so much whenever I pray in, with our, our church members. That, that kind of always comes around in, in part of our uh, almost language, subconscious language, which is fantastic, so exciting. When I was uh, younger, sometimes uh, I'd get like an IKEA item, and the IKEA says some assembly required. And if you've ever had an IKEA item, that's probably not true. Massive amounts of assembly is required. Um, now, I'm a fairly typical man, and so I think that uh, I, I could just do it, you know? No problem. So tear open the box, and I just get right to work. And uh, has anyone else ever done that kind of thing? You think like you could do it, you tear open the box, you just like, get to work? How's that ever work out? That always turns out pretty poorly. Uh, so I'm, I'm building this thing. I, I got drawers that don't fit, and I've got cupboard doors that swing outward, not inward, you know, and, and I have parts, and now all of a sudden it doesn't fit. This side is going the wrong way, and um, it, it doesn't really work out that well when, when I try it that way. I only did that a few times when I was younger, not so much as I'm older, because fortunately I have learned that I have an ace in the hole. It's called the instructions, and they come with pictures. They really help you walk through it. Uh, uh, I really do need a bit of instruction if I want to build any IKEA furniture, because it's somewhat complicated. If I want to build that IKEA nightstand correctly, I need a little bit of instruction. And, and this series that we're going to be looking at in the next three weeks is just like that. In life, like we can do a lot of things pretty well on our own, but sometimes we just need a little bit of instruction. And, and we're talking about spiritual instructions. As we build our life on Christ, as we try to figure out, God, how can I do this right? How can I live in a way that honors you? How can I, how can I work and, and build and create? And how can I create and, and build this life for you, God, in a way that honors you and, and, and doing it the right way. So at the end, I don't end up with a door that's going the wrong way or, or missing parts or spare parts or like, why do I have these extra parts and that kind of stuff. And so uh, as Christians, no harm in glancing at the instructions. God's insight telling us how to build our Christian lives correctly. And so that's what we're going to talk about in the next three weeks. How can we build our uh, Christian lives rightly, at least according to God. So never listen to me. Uh, I have very rarely interesting things to say on my own, but I always attempt to tell you what God is telling you. So that's why we use the, the Bible fairly often here. I don't use psychology a ton or my own ideas a bunch, but we always get back to the Bible. And so we have three weeks in this series. And then 
after the three weeks of the series, it's actually Christmas Sunday that we'll celebrate. Isn't that nuts sounding that it's Christmas almost? And then we have these beautiful decorations. Thank you, Christina. Uh, and after service, if you're interested, my son has decided to have the church all kind of set up. If you want your kids to help set up, set up the tree that we normally have out there, they're going to set up all after uh, service today. So for the, it'll probably take about 10 minutes to do, and that'll be kind of fun. He thought that would be more fun than... Uh, you just showing up and there's a tree there or whatever. He said, well, what if we build it together? He just said that last night, and he now knows he's in charge of that this morning. <laughs> and so uh, today we're going to get some critical information. Today's sermon title is Build on Jesus. So some critical information on how to build on Jesus. Let's dive right into our first passage this morning, and we're going to notice one key thing. The key thing is to begin right. Okay, let's see that together in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Here's what Paul writes. He says, For we are co-workers in God's service, and you are God's field, you're like God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and then someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that's already laid, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. So he says the first place to start, you've got to get the foundation right. Before you start to build, before you start doing anything, make sure that the foundation is right. When Paul founded the church in Corinth, uh, that's in Acts 18 where we find that he did that, he set the only possible foundation for Christian life that could be laid, and that foundation is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, knowing that Jesus is essential to all spiritual well-being, building, and growth. So step one to build our spiritual lives, here's like a little picture, you know, like, like Ikea has. Step one to our spiritual lives being built correctly is the foundation. And we're going to actually spend our whole morning on the foundation today. The substance of that foundation, the, the who and the what of that foundation is Jesus. Now if you're like me, you've been to church a lot, pro-Christian right here done this thing over whatever, 4,000 times you become an expert at it, or whatever, whatever, I don't know what that rule is, something like that. And so I read this and I say, of course I build on Jesus. That's my immediate response. But, but then I have to ask myself a series of questions to see if that's actually true or to see if that's just spiritual posturing. Does anyone else ever do spiritual posturing where you say, like, oh, of course I do? And then you think about it, oh, yeah, actually, I don't do that thing. I was just saying that to sound righteous or I knew the right answer. So I asked myself a, a couple of questions and Maybe you can ask yourself along with me whether Jesus is the foundation of my life. Are my thoughts about the world and politics, are they based on Jesus? Or are they based on culture and school and upbringing? Do I form my future plans on Jesus and his ways, or do I form my future plans plans on my own desires, my thoughts, and, and maybe some peer inputs, what my friends are doing, what's their future going to look like? Are my personal decisions that I make on a day-to-day -day basis made on the foundation of Jesus, or do I make them based on what would be worldly wise, based on what it would be expedient or helpful for me, or even based on that's what everybody else does, what's normal? Is that how I make my decisions day to day? Do my interactions with people, both those that are really close to me, my family and my close friends, and those that are farther from me, like strangers, do my interactions with people come from a foundation of Christ, 
or do I interact with people on my own personal longings, my own personal biases, and the temperament that I have? Maybe I just don't talk to them because that's not who I am. That's not what I'm comfortable with. Now, Jesus has to be the foundation of how we view the world, how we navigate relationships, how we make decisions, how we plan our lives. All other spiritual building that we're going to do anytime after this depends on it. This has to be the, the base layer of where we begin. It's impossible to build correctly a spiritual life if we skip, skimp, or neglect this truth. And our next passage is fantastic because it tells us how to build a foundation that's on Jesus Christ. What does it actually mean to do that outside of Christianese or Christian jargon, which we say, oh, I built my life on Christ. What does that mean? What does it mean to say that Jesus is my foundation and I want to build that? And it's not just a one-time build and then boom, it's done. It's a continually strengthening and, and building up of and expanding that foundation. How do I do that? Well, Jesus tells us pretty simply how, and it's fantastic. And, and you guys are so smart, you're going to pick it up right away. Uh, so check this out, how Jesus says. You're looking for three things. Luke 6, Jesus says, some people are coming and they're like, hey, Lord, Lord, do this or whatever. And he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and, and they hear my words and they put them into practice, I'll show you what that person is like. That person is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid foundation on rock. And when a flood came, a torrent struck the house, a, but it couldn't shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed and the destruction was complete. So there are two options. There are two types of people who interact with Jesus in this scenario that Jesus puts. There are two types. One type, and we're going to work backwards here from our passage. The one type is there's a no foundation failure. That's the one type of person that interacts with Jesus. The no foundation failure. But look at what they do. That type of person, they hear God's word. Now it's assumed, or presumed, I think, or implied that the come to me is here. Because you can't hear from him if you haven't come to him. So this person has come to Jesus. They hear from him, but they don't do what Jesus says. So this type of foundation, or lack thereof, leads to disaster. But they heard God's word. See, that's a, there's only one distinction between the first type of person and the second type of person. The second type of person, they come to Jesus, they hear his word. They know the answers. They've been to church. They learned about Jesus. They know what Jesus wants. They have intellectual assent and understanding. Yet, the result is complete or utter destruction. Why? When we look back, we see one clear distinction between a firm foundation and a collapsed foundation, or no foundation. That kind of person that had complete destruction, they heard, but they didn't obey. A strong foundation has all three elements. Jesus mentioned three of those steps, not just two of them. Now that second person, they seem to be almost there. They're, they're, they're Christian-like. They're Christian-adjacent. 
And we all often think that almost there is good enough. We often think that, well, I came to Jesus, went to church, I heard the word, listened to that pastor, and so I'm fine. But Jesus says, no, you've got two of the three steps, but you can't just have two of the three steps. You have to have all three steps. In actual pouring of a home foundation in a, a that we use it in America, a foundation we build our houses on, there, there's actually three necessary components. You have to have water, you have to have sand, and you have to have cement. And that, that's how we pour foundations in, in actual houses. See, if you just have the first two, water and sand, and then you try to build on that, water and sand get you, get you mud. <laughs> and, and it's amazing because the Romans had concrete, so Jesus knew about this as well. If you just have water and sand, all you get is mud, you build on that, the thing's going to collapse. If you don't have the concrete part, you've got to have the concrete. The distinction between the utter failure of the second man and the resounding success of the first lies in following all three steps. They're the foundation on the rock which leads to success. So we're saying, how do we build a foundation? It's our question this morning that will lead to success. It's to have those three things. You've got to have all three of them. You've got to come to Jesus. You've got to hear his words. And then we've got to put them into practice or obey. So let's look at the three things Jesus indicates are necessary to build a strong foundation. Let's look at them a little bit more carefully. And it's funny that Jesus speaks in or preaches in threes, right? An example, all pastors speak like there's three points, there's three of this. Jesus does. Because four is too many and two is too little, right? Uh, you know, for understanding. And Jesus knew that, so that's, he gives every preacher their dream right here in uh, making the passage quite easy to preach. So the first thing he says, you've got to come to Jesus. This one indicates interest and desire. You're, you're not going to ever be able to build spiritually if you're indifferent about Jesus. That It's just a given. You've got to say, like, God, I am interested in what you want. I am interested Jesus, in, in uh, how you navigate the world, what you look like, what you would like for me. I have an interest in that. And there's some really cool spiritual discipline kind of stuff that we can do to help us come to Jesus or draw near to Jesus. Things like uh, praying is one way to come to Jesus or deciding to pray, uh, open, deciding to open your Bible, to read it, uh, even the decision to to get that Bible app on your phone. That, that's a coming to Jesus kind of moment. This morning, uh, all of you who are here, or if you're watching online, you decided to get up and you decided to come to church. That, that's this first part. You're, you're doing it already. Fantastic. You know, uh, maybe listening silently to God. Sometimes we talk to God a lot, but maybe pausing to listen is a way to come to God. Or fasting helps us come to God. If ever you've fasted, you, you realize how much you need even the tiniest things in life. Maybe going to a small group and deciding to join one of those would be a way to say, God, I'm interested in coming near to you. So coming to Jesus speaks about intentionality of will. Are we actively seeking out Jesus? Occasionally God comes and knocks us off a donkey and gets our attention. But often he speaks quietly and he's just waiting for you to respond back. And so are we seeking, are we coming do we have the desire to draw near to Jesus, coming to Jesus? That's the first step. And the beauty of the, like preaching to the choir, like y'all are at church, right? So you're probably like, oh uh, yeah, I got that one because I showed up today. Which is fantastic. You got the first one done. The second one is hearing from Jesus. 
How do we hear His Word? How do we hear from Jesus? We can do it in prayer, where God will speak to us directly. It could be just pausing and listening quietly, just like coming to Jesus was. You can hear Jesus from preaching, uh, like that's happening literally right now. You're hearing from God. Maybe you listen to 95.9, The Fish, and you heard a little bit from Jesus then. Um, maybe you have that uh, daily bread book. I don't know, those that at, are at the market all the time. You know, like you get some of those. Maybe you got that daily bread, or, or you get the verse of the day from your Bible app, and, and you're getting some, some uh, God's words that way. All sorts of ways to hear from God. Um, however, I'm not sure we can really get around the actual main reason to hear or, or way to hear from God. The, the actual main way to hear from God is to, to read his word. <laughs> now, when I say read, I, I mean read or listen to. It's okay to have, have it listened to. That's actually probably more biblical in case you thought you had to read your Bible, physically read the words. Uh, when the Bible was written, no one knew how to read, and so they would have someone read it to them. And so that would be, they would act, listening is the form of reading the Bible more often than actually reading the Bible. Anyway, so whether you listen to it or read it, I don't think you can really get around from how do I hear from God. The way you hear from God is through his word. He's already spoken to us. Occasionally he'll speak a new word to you uh, in your prayer life. Maybe he'll speak a personal word to you in your prayer life. But his primary way to speak to you is going to be through the Bible, which he's already given us. So if you are not regularly in the word, reading or listening to the Bible, then you can't possibly be building your life on Jesus. So if you thought you could leave the, the Bible reading part out, you're wrong. You can't hear from God otherwise. This is his mechanism. It's how he chose to speak to the world was through the Bible. He said, I'm going to write it down so you don't forget it. If I just said it to you, you'll forget it. He said, I'm going to write it down for you. So you can refer back to it. You've got to regularly be reading your Bible. And I say regularly rather than daily, because if you say daily and I've missed one, now I'm all guilty. It becomes legalism, right? The Bible never says to read the Bible daily. God never says you have to do it every day. He says to do it continually or do it regularly. Well, what does regularly mean? Well, if I, if I eat only once a week, am I eating regularly? If I go to work once a week, am I going to work regularly? If I go to the doctor once a week, am I going regularly? Now I'm going too much, right? So what's regularly mean? It all depends on how necessary the thing is to, to be alive. How necessary is the thing is how regularly it will be. So food is fairly necessary. So I eat it pretty regularly, like three, four times plus a snack and you know some other, other snack and that first snack and their second snack. Like I'm like a hobbit. You know, I got first breakfast, I got second breakfast, I got like lunchies and munchies. You know, I got all sorts of things that, that I'm eating. So I, I think uh, eating is pretty important, so I do it fairly often. And so if we think God is important, or growing in God, or hearing from God is important, we better be doing it fairly often. Now, I don't want to say a rule, because if I give a rule, then you break the rule, and it becomes legalism. Anytime the commands of God become rules, then we're, we're going to fall. They, they become death. They're no longer life for us, but they're death. And so I don't eat, like, dang it, i got to eat again. My wife is cooking, I'm like, I get to eat again, you know? Like, and so that's our attitude. We've got to regularly be hearing from God if we want to build our foundation strong. I would say as your pastor, regularly means if you're not in the Bible three, four times a week, I don't think you're regularly reading it. If you're just coming in on Sunday and that's when you hear God's word and that's it, that's not enough. 
Now, the Bible doesn't say, well, if you do that, that, there's not that clear of a thing. But as your spiritual advisor, as someone who loves and cares for you, once a week is not enough. You cannot build a strong foundation on once a week Bible hearing. You've got to be in the Bible much more than that. So, uh, but being here today is an excellent additional way to hear from God. This isn't or shouldn't be your only time where you hear or read God's Word. But this is a necessary, wonderful component. Being together and fellowshipping and, and hearing preaching is required by God. I think he tells us to do it. This is a great way to hear from God. But it can't be the only way you hear from God. God desires that you hear from him regularly. Another cool way to have an additional support for your Bible reading is go to that uh, intensive Bible training, you know. That, that was, I think, too intensive. So I'm renaming it to the semi-intensive friendly, come-if-you'd-like, Bible-reading-together experience time, something like that, that that doesn't seem so intensive, you know, like Mountain Dew or whatever. Uh, This is more like a a nice iced tea then. Like, we'll just uh, change the name and you can come to that. That's just a a great, something that, where we get together and we read the Bible together, it's an additional part, but only added to the parts that you're doing on your own. And, and the daily verse is nice, but I'm not sure a daily verse, well, that took you less than four seconds. Come on, you put that away and you forgot about it. Like, may, maybe you created on the app, you created a little picture for it. That was really beautiful, too, and that took like 18 seconds. But I'm not sure 18 seconds is enough. I mean, not if I'm trying to really follow after God and hear from him. I think that I need more than, at least maybe I'm slower than you guys, but I need more than 18 seconds to actually hear from God. I, don't, I can't process that fast, and, and I can't close that app and then be done with God. I have not yet heard from him. I need to create a greater amount of space for me to hear from God. Maybe it's multiple verses, or maybe it takes me at least three to seven minutes. I don't know, whatever. I don't know how fast you process, but having some regular time with God is really important. Perhaps you listen to a Bible study podcast. I don't know. There's a lot of ways to get the Bible. Because if you haven't heard from Jesus, you can't do what he's asking you to do, right? You can't do this final step if, uh, of obey if you haven't heard what he wants you to do. You can't do what you don't know. So Bible and Jesus input is critical, but that's not the final step. So this is really important because I think as Christians and people who are pretty faithful, we, we get the first two steps down great. Man, I was intentional. I went to meet with God. I actually even opened my Bible and I read it this morning. Now I'm, how Christian am I? I read the Bible for 10 minutes. Dude, I am so Christian. I'm like super Christian. I'm about to like level up as a Christian because I went 15 minutes. I've got actually four books of the Bible done this month. I'm like, bam, spiritual. But what happened when the person had two of the three things? Utter destruction. Because putting Jesus' words into practice is the third necessary element to a strong foundation. Action. Here's the key. Remember, the fool hears, and he's partway there, but he's still the fool. The strong foundation comes, hears, and obeys. Put all of Jesus' words into practice. This is the hard part, because you're going to read stuff that maybe you don't like or you're not good at. But we are called to put all of Jesus' words into practice, not just the ones I like or resonate with me. Because that kind of obedience is super easy. 
right? It is so easy to obey when I already like doing the thing. When the Bible says, like, oh, you should fellowship and eat with other people. Okay, I guess, you know, I guess I should hang out with people and eat with them in fellowship. Yeah, that one's really easy. But, but what about don't gossip? Mm, I don't really like that one, so I'm not going to do that one. You know, or, or like, I like worship. So that is, man, it's so easy, God, to, to enjoy you in worship and obey because you call me to worship you. That's so easy. But, but what about when God says, um, be sexually pure and don't make immoral sexual decisions? And not so much. I'm just going to go with a nice worship. I like that one, you know, that kind of thing. See, obedience is easy and simple if we only obey selectively. Like, oh, I, I like giving the poor. I like helping at a soup kitchen. So I go and do that. But uh, when someone disrespects me, when they, when they, when they uh, dis- demean me or dishonor me or try to, try to make me look bad, I'm not turning the other cheek on that. I'm going to come back at that person. Subjective or selective obedience turns out to not be obedience at all. Selective obedience is actually disobedience. If you'll imagine with me this scenario, okay? Henry's at home. Henry's uh, one of our church members. Sit in the back. Love you, Henry. Henry's at home. Uh, his kid Hank's upstairs. Henry calls out to his kid, hey, Hank, go brush your teeth and go to bed. And Hank's like, okay. In his new, deep, like, resonant, bellowing man voice. It was probably more like, okay, oh, okay, I mean, Dad. An hour later, Henry goes upstairs and Hank's playing on his iPad in his room. Henry comes in and he's like, "Uh, why didn't you do what I asked you to do, Hank? And Hank says, oh, I did. I brushed my teeth. Is that obey or is that disobey? Does Hank get in trouble or not in trouble? (laughs) He gets in trouble for disobeying. Why? Because Dad said, brush your teeth and... Go to bed. See, partial obedience is actually disobedience. (laughs) Wait, what if there's a spiritual correlation? Partial obedience is actually disobedience. That, That sucks. That's hard to swallow. You start to read your Bible, you hear from God. There's some stuff that you've already heard from God. You know that he wanted you to change or do differently. But you kept doing it. But it's okay because I, I serve, on the, I, I serve in the, the back there. I, I do the sound. It's okay, God, because I read my Bible. I'm totally spiritual. And I, and I obey on all these other areas. There's just this, I just don't want to do that one. I don't, I don't want to obey that, God. I, I want to keep my temper. I want to get angry. I want to keep looking at these sites late at night. Partial obedience is disobedience. There's some challenging things of obedience that God has already asked us to do. I'm going to list a couple of challenges. Maybe they resonate with you. God, God said, 
he wants you to give 10% of your income. It's just math. Are you or not? But are you or not? It's either obedience or it's not. God asks you to go into the world and share the gospel. Whether it's short-term missions, local missions. Are you or not? Are you obeying or not? God asks you to care for the poor. You can't care for all the poor in the world. But, do, but are you caring for the poor? Are you caring for one poor? And that doesn't mean just giving money. Caring for the poor doesn't mean like throwing ten bucks at them as you race off from the side of the freeway because now I'm so good I gave to the poor. That isn't quite what it had in man. God had in mind. He'd probably care for the poor, not just throw money at the poor. Taking care of orphans or widows, not just, again, financially, but with words or letters or in kindness. Have, have we done that? Have we gone out of our way to show intentional love of Christ to other people? I mean, that one's so wide open. It's really awesome. Are we obeying in, in that? Yeah, I, I've been spending about an hour a day uh, for the last maybe, for sure for the last four or five months, but even for the last couple of years, an hour a day, texting and encouraging people that are in foreign countries. Uh, I currently text a 12-year-old kid whose parents don't live with him. He lives on his own, kind of, and then he like hangs out at his auntie's house sometimes. And I text him probably every other day, just to encourage him, bless him, see with how, how he's doing. This is one of those kids that became a Christian um, just a few months ago. And there's another 16-year-old that doesn't have a father, and he lives in poverty, and... Um, He's open to following God's call, maybe to someday become a pastor. And so for four years now, I've been encouraging him and texting him and talking with him. And there's, a, there's a 22-year-old struggling in the Philippines in poverty who we've supported his whole life, and now I get to talk to regularly. As he struggles how to support his family, how to make sure his brother and sister get to go to school, how, how can he deal with the poverty that's all around him as he follows the Lord because he's committed to God. Uh, my wife and I mentor a, long, a young married couple that's in Thailand. And these people, I, I spend about an hour a day uh, texting. Sometimes I have to get up early because of the time zone difference. And sometimes it interrupts what I was doing. Again, because the time zone, they're, they're up 5 p.m., they're awake, like getting up. And 5 a.m., they're going to bed. So sometimes I'm waking up early just to chat with them. Because I want to obey God in, in all areas, even when they're difficult. So let me put the three steps that Jesus talked about together in, in one example. Last week in service, we heard this verse right here. We heard this one. Give thanks in all circumstances, for, God, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So the come to Jesus would look like, uh, last week you were here at church. Now, now you were, your heart was here. Not just your physical body, because sometimes you can be here but not be here, if you know what I mean. And so the come to Jesus part was like, yeah, I came here, God, and I was attentive for that service, the family service we had. So, bam, step one, done. Step two, hear the word. Well, we put this word on the screen just like that. Did you hear God's word? Did you read it? Did you hear uh, Pastor Sam say it? Oh, third person reference, nice, huh? Uh, I, I pointed it out as well. Did you hear it last week? You're like, yeah, I heard that. And did you put it in practice? 
give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will. There was a th circumstance box. Did you write a word and did you put a picture or something like that? And you say, yeah, yeah, I did that. And then you brought it up and you gave it to God. Fantastic. That is exactly what a building on the foundation of Christ would look like. You, you came intentionally, you heard God's word, and then you acted upon it. But maybe today we revisit that, word, uh, that, that verse, and you were thinking, I didn't say this last week, because uh, uh, this is sort of a downer part, giving thanks in all circumstances. That's not just not in good circumstances. That actually is in difficult circumstances. It says all circumstances. What about in tragic circumstances of life? Do I thank God in them? Notice that, it, that it, it is not thank God for them. We don't thank God for bad circumstances or tragic circumstances, but we thank God in tragic circumstances. Even if I am in a really difficult situation, I can still thank God. So we kind of revisit that. God, I want to hear from you. I came intentionally to hear from you. And are there maybe bad, difficult circumstances? And how do I thank you, God, in the middle of those? Well, I asked uh, our, our sister, Tina Brown, I asked her if I could share this. Um, she's currently in Belize, in case you haven't seen Tina for the last two months. She's in Belize taking care of her, her husband was from Belize. And so they have some family uh, stuff she's taking care of over in Belize right now. And so, um, but a few weeks after I met Tina Brown, um, she had just begun to attend our church. And she began attending our church about two or three weeks after her husband passed away. And I'm not sure there are more difficult, much more difficult situations than that in life. That the spouse that you've spent years and years building a life with, that that person passes away. And it's an incredibly difficult, dark, sorrowful place. And in, in one of our early conversations, um, she was sharing with me a, a, about that situation. She was telling me about her husband and how he passed away and how lovely he was and that kind of stuff. And, and, and in her charming New York accent, she said, Pastor, God is, you know, she's got that New York. I don't want to do it disrespectfully, so I don't. She's got that cool New York accent. She was saying, Pastor, God is with me. God is in control even in this situation. And if you know Tina Brown, she quote, then she quoted like four or five or six Bible verses she knows more Bible verses than I do. Like, I just can't rattle them off. Like, she's got like, boom, 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 boom. She hit like, boom, boom, four, back to back to back. I was supposed to be, you know, she was sharing about her husband just passing away recently, and I was supposed to pastorally be comforting her, and then she's sharing all the verses with me about how good God is and how that he's got her and that all this kind of stuff, man. And if you know her, she's, Worshiping God, eyes up to Him, hands up to Him, even in probably one of the darkest moments that will ever happen in her life. That she was thanking God in the midst of all circumstances because God told her to. Not because it was easy or it wasn't joyful, it wasn't good. It was tough and hard and bad, but... But she knows God, she knows this verse that Jesus says in all circumstances. And so she obeyed even when it was uh, all so difficult. God, I think that, you, that you're amazing. That is a foundation built strong on the person of Jesus. 
In Jesus' illustration, there's the two builders. And each of those houses would have looked the same until the storm came. And storms are an excellent revealer of what our foundation looks like. I'm not sure we can even know what our foundation is until we face a storm. They really show what's what. And I think we face all sorts of things like that in our lives. And probably we don't even share it most of the time. Maybe there's some difficulty of like your kids are driving you crazy. Your husband or wife is driving you crazy. Maybe you'd hope to be this far in life and you're this far in life. You know, I, I don't know what the situations are. But in difficult situations, it really will show out the strength of our foundations. So do we obey God all of the time or only when it's easy and expedient? And I want to encourage you this morning, if you want to build a strong foundation on God, you have to do it in all things He asks, not just the ones that are easy. Because partial obedience is, is disobedience. So this week you're going to read your Bible, you're going to intentionally come to God, open it up, He's going to speak to you, you're going to read that part where it says love your enemy, and then you're going to put it in practice. If you've got any enemies, if you've got someone mean at work, if you've got someone you can't stand at your school... You're going to go, oh, be nice to them. You're going to show them love. You're going to care about them. I don't know. Maybe you don't have any enemies. Fantastic. Then you don't, if I don't have any enemies, I don't have to obey that part. Awesome. But oh, the next part says, like, don't do that. Say, oh, I got that part. So I'm going to obey that part. That's building your spiritual life on the foundation of Jesus in your word this week. Once, twice, three times. I'm not telling you how many, because it's not about the rule. It's about the intention, the will, the desire. So friends, let's do the hard work of foundation building. Coming to Jesus, hearing from Him, and then putting His words into practice. When we do this, I look forward to the next six months or year if we commit to this kind of idea where, God, I am going to build on your foundation. I look forward to the strength that will be at this church. Then the powerful spiritual things that will happen if we will, if we will come to him, if we'll hear his word and we'll obey, then powerful spiritual things are going to happen. Now would you stand with me right now and, and I'm going to ask God to give you strength to obey all that he says because you know there's some stuff he's asking you. He probably already said it this morning and you knew it right when I opened my mouth that there was something he wanted you to obey but you haven't been doing it. And so I'm going to ask right now for you to pray through that, that God will give you strength to obey in all things, not just the ones that come easy. And then we're going to worship together. God, I'm asking this specific prayer. There are some things that we haven't been obeying because they're really hard, and we kind of don't want to. God, I pray for your strength on our folks to turn it to you and to commit, God, they will obey, and I will obey in all that you ask us to do.